Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hi, everyone. Uh, today on Chewing the Fat, I am honored to welcome Gerardo Reyes Chavez from the Coalition of Immokalee Workers, um, a worker based human rights organization focusing on social responsibility, human trafficking, uh, and gender based violence at work, with a large portion of his efforts devoted to farm workers. Built on a foundation of farmworker community organizing starting in 1993 and reinforced with the creation of a national consumer network since 2000, CIW's work has steadily grown over more than 20 years to encompass three broad and overlapping spheres, um, which they'll explain for us in a little bit. Um, with Gerardo is Patricia Cipolitti. She studied philosophy and international political economy at Georgetown University. While she was a student there, um, she began organizing with the university's Student Worker Alliance. She got involved with Immokalee in 2013 and became active in the Student Farm Worker Alliance, a national network of students and young people organizing with a coalition of Immokalee workers to eliminate sweatshop conditions in the fields and build a food system based on justice and dignity for farm workers. So I am more than excited to welcome both of you here today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for the invitation. It's an honor for us. And thanks for the introduction. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, I try. Um, so I think uh, first off for our listeners and for me, um, I'd like to know a little bit more about the history of the CIW. I know you started in the early 90s. Um, so what were the conditions that led to the establishment of the Coalition of Immokalee Workers? And at what point did both of you get involved? Um, yeah, well, the coalition started in 1993, organizing informally from a borrowed room in the Catholic Church in town. Uh, Imokali is located in the southwest part of Florida, um, and it's basically one of the main uh, communities that uh, is, is basically a, was formed as a labor reserve, basically because in that area, uh, the most powerful companies that produce tomatoes on the entire East Coast, uh, mainly based in Florida, but also in other states along the coast. Um, that's where Imokali is. We as workers um, in Imokali come from different places. Uh, some come from Mexico, Guatemala, Haiti, and some other countries in Central America. And um, we have been uh, fighting for changes, for uh, increasing wages that have been stagnant uh, since 1978. A bucket of 32 pounds was paid 40 to 45 cents, and then um, it was basically uh, like that for more than 30 years. Uh, situations of sexual harassment were taking place uh, all across the industry, uh, wage theft, violence, threats of violence, and on the extreme, uh, conditions of slavery, where workers were forced to work at gunpoint uh, under threats of death in some of the cases. So the coalition has been working on, on all of those issues and um, at the beginning, the focus was on bringing the industry to the table to uh, have conversations about how to eliminate all of these abusive conditions from the fields and how to work together. Um, that, that was uh, the main goal, to have dialogue with the industry, to eliminate the two root causes that we see um, at the bottom of all the problems that we as farm workers are facing in that uh, region, which are the economic um, the poverty wages. Um, we needed to have an increase in wages. And the other one being the unbalance of power between workers and their employers. So that's where we come from. 
And uh, there were many actions that happened, and I will talk a little bit about that, but I want Patty to also describe a little bit about uh, what the AFF is. Yeah, sure. Um, so as Gerardo mentioned, uh, the CIW is the farm worker organization um, that organizes primarily in the community and at the beginning was trying to get that dialogue with growers, um, the folks who owned the production of tomatoes. Um, and we come in as allies, um, as students and young people through the Student Farm Worker Alliance Network, as people of faith who before used to be part of the Interfaith Action Network, mm -hmm. and food and food justice advocates um, that originally started to organize with the Just Harvest Network throughout the course of the, the campaign um, after it began in the year 2000. Um, and farm workers called on consumers from a broad base of constituencies to come and join them in moving forward the campaign and in calling and leveraging their, their resources and power as consumers to call on these big corporations to do the right thing and pay a penny more and commit to human rights. So we formed um, in these three different constituencies and I personally, as you mentioned, got involved through the Student Farm Worker Alliance Network as a student, um, seeing that um, our conditions, the, the food that we eat um, and the food that's marketed to us as young people by these corporations um, is obscuring the exploitation and poverty in which um, the farm workers who pick that food live. So seeing that as my responsibility and seeing that as um, a role that I can play in actually shifting the conversation and not just shifting the conversation, but actually transforming the industry by following farm worker leadership, um, got involved and mm. started organizing with the CIW. Um, and now today, the Alliance for Fair <coughs> Food, which is this bigger umbrella network of consumers that not only includes students and young people, people of faith and food and food justice advocates, but really anybody who sees it as their responsibility and, um, and their duty to, to fight alongside farm workers. So the AFF is that bigger umbrella that works in conjunction with the CIW. And it was, it was born um, out of the fight that started in Imokali. Um, some of the actions that we did at the beginning to try to bring the growers to the table um, where, for example, a general strike that happened in 1995 when uh, there was a company, tomato growers, that, uh, tomato growers that wanted to pay less than the minimum wage just because. They thought that nobody was going to uh, lift a finger for the farm workers uh, or the farm workers themselves would never speak up. Um, but they were, they were wrong. When they tried to do that, there was a general strike with over 3,000 workers that basically took over the central location for pickup, uh, which is a parking lot where most of the truck drivers, the bus drivers go to pick up people to bring them to the different uh, fields, different companies. So that uh, basically resulted in the community being able to uh, prevent that from happening. Uh, similar actions happened in 97 and 99 uh, there were other actions that took place. Uh, one, for example, that uh, was against the violence after a worker was a uh, victim of violence in the fields. He was uh, left um, on the ground uh, covered in, with his shirt covered in blood because he basically defied the, the boss by going to drink water. He asked for permission, permission was denied. Then the truck driver um, came off the truck and bit him. 
and that sparked a march to the crew leader's house to declare that beating one of us is beating us all and we're not going to let that happen. So we were able to stop violence in the fields, um, at least where the coalition was organized. It continued to happen in other parts. Um, so because of that, uh, because of those actions, including a 30-day hunger strike, um, the response coming from the growers was basically trying to ignore uh, the, the demands of the workers. Um, we knew that we needed to shift um, or even better widen, widen um, our focus. So we started to analyze a little bit beyond uh, the agricultural industry because the goal was to transform the industry entirely. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do that, we needed um, to analyze also the market. <clears throat> we started to think about how is it that these big corporations um, get their product? Um, what kind of influence they have? So we started to ask the question instead of the organizer, which is how do we win against all of these abuses? Um, for the question of the economies, which uh, basically um, says who's benefiting, who's making profit from the misery and, and has influence over the conditions we're trying to change. And that's when we realized that big brands like Taco Bell, McDonald's, Burger King, all of those have growth over the past decades to the point in which they are the ones dictating the rules of the game. And the game here is, is profit, you know? So we basically thought if they have, if they were to join us, work with us, um, pay a little bit more so that that can address the sub-poverty wages that we as workers are facing, and condition their purchasing to the implementation of a, a code of conduct that we will design, um, and we will be included on in all of that. If if a corporation or corporations were to do that, um, we would be able to change the way in which the tomato industry and agricultural industry operates. That was a theory of change that was born in 2001, and that's how we started basically with what we call now the campaign for fair food. Mm -hmm. um, and the demands were also the first version, if you want, of what we call the fair food program, which we can explain a little bit more ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to know more about the specifics of the fair food program and, and what the different um, like levels of negotiations that you have to go through, whether it's between growers um, and community leaders about what are the standards that we want to set, negotiations between you and the corporations. And then I'm also curious about um, the role of the state or federal government in all of this as well. Um, yeah, well, basically, when you think about Imokalin, think about why uh, many of the issues um, the workers face are happening, you are going to notice that the farm workers, for example, uh, were excluded from the National Labor Relations Act uh, that was signed in, in the 30s that basically give workers the ability to, to collective uh, bargaining. Mm -hmm. Among other rights, like the, the exclusion goes not just to that, but there are other basic rights that we are excluded from. And when you think about where we are, uh, Florida is in the south, not just uh, like geographically speaking, mm -hmm. but also ideologically speaking. Um, it's, it's very, very inclined to the right. Um, so to talk about changing through legislation, um, 
some of the limitations that we have. Um, it's it, it's really really difficult to see to imagine. So because of that, and because of the fact that the interest of the industry that we're trying to change is more in line with the government because they donate, you know, we don't. Mm -hmm. So yeah. so there, there's many many interests that are that are mixed. Um, so that's why we decided to go to the big buyers of, of the tomatoes and also because they have more influence over the government. At the end of the day, corporations have more power um, than, uh, especially in Florida, than, than what we would be able to gather to be able to change their mentality. So we decided to go this route because we knew that our resources were limited. Um, but we also knew that we had the power of of the truth of the conditions we face, and that if we were to expose that, people in the country will mobilize with us, mm -hmm. and that worked in a, an incredible, powerful way. So, uh, when we started that campaign for fair food, we extended the invitation to Taco Bell. They obviously refused. That led to the the first uh, boycott um, that that we declare. And that lasted four years. We went to uh, on tours um, for a few times to California, uh, to the headquarters of Taco Bell in, in Irvine. And along the road, we stopped in 17 different, different cities with two buses of workers going mm -hmm. from the community of Imokali, yeah. talking in different places, churches, um, universities, um, with other organizations of workers, supporting them also in the struggles they had. It was a, a beautiful process that led to uh, one of the most powerful um, campaigns within the campuses. Um, and I'm going to ask Patty to, Patty to talk a little bit about, about that, um, because it was inside the campuses that, that a big battle was taking place, mm -hmm. while outside nationwide, uh, we were boycotting Taco Bell and asking people not to buy until they sign um, and comply with the demands that we had. Um, that was put the bell. Yeah, college students like Taco Bell. So how do you, how what was the mobilization like? Not only for college students, but on a more general level. You know, consumers care a lot about what they put into their bodies. If it's local, if it's natural, if it's organic. So how do you get them to care about the labor that goes into that that they don't necessarily have to eat per se? Sure. Yeah, I think with with the Taco Bell campaign, that's where the analysis that SFA developed comes into play and one of the one of the SFA mottos is our struggles are different but they converge so that mm. is to say that farm workers are at one end of the exploitation of these corporations they are picking tomatoes that um, for sub-poverty wages and these corporations are making a profit off of the backs of, of these farm workers and as students and young people who consume at Taco Bell and who are lulled into consuming by a talking chihuahua or these images that um, Taco Bell and Wendy's with her red braids create um, and these marketing ploys, these marketing ploys um, of four for four today with Wendy's or what have you, um, we understand that all of that obscures our relationship to our food and our relationship to the people who pick our food. 
So it's really important for us to get involved to not only create consciousness within ourselves and within our universities um, to get people, get people to understand what's actually going on. And not only that, but actually take action. And as, as consumers and particularly as students with a relative amount of privilege with access to a university with lots of resources and for many schools, um, with, for many students in these different schools with, with the presence of Taco Bell on campus mm-hmm. and for Notre Dame, the football team sponsorship of um, Taco Bell. Um, we had a lot of ways in which to pressure Taco Bell. And so during those years of the Taco Bell boycott, um, students were able to successfully kick out or um, prevent Taco Bells from coming onto campuses at 25 different high schools and universities across the country, which was a major pressure point for a Taco Bell. And we knew that during the, the course of the campaign and also afterwards, um, knowing that we were able to leverage our power as students to, to put that pressure inside mm-hmm. our universities. And that's the battle of sorts that was waged while on a national front, consumers, people of faith were also lending their congregations to farm workers when they were on tour for meals and housing. They were also passing denom- denominational resolutions within their different denominations to endorse the boycott. Um, and folks who cared about the food that they put into their their bodies, keep in mind this is also the time in which Fast Food Nation came out and the food movement really started to, to get a foot on the ground and to take off. Um, people understood and are beginning to understand that you can't really have a conversation about sustainable food without talking about the sustainability of the labor and the sustainability of um, folks' livelihoods, um, especially those who work so hard to put that food on our plates. So all of that basically led um, to what later um, would be a transformation of the industry that we were aiming to have. Um, because of those alliances that were taking place that we were helping to forge, that connect that, that basically through these tours, these actions uh, nationwide, uh, people were finding with the coalition, not uh, in the sense of wanting to save the farm worker community, but understanding that the leadership was coming actually from this community and the analysis was being placed on the table in terms of where this struggle was uh, heading to. Um, All of that led to incredible pressure um, to the brands that were once basically trying to ignore um, that these issues had something to do with them. Uh, They were profiting and as as far as we From, from where we see it, um, anyone who's profiting from the misery and suffering that they are helping to create is obviously responsible. So uh, this led to the agreement with Taco Bell and its parent company, Young Brands, in 2005, uh, because we had um, the endorsement, as Patti was saying, of the National Council of Churches, which represents um, about 32 different denominations of people of faith. Um, that were standing with us. We had the support of many other community organizations in the country, um, but we had a lot of students getting involved and organizing within their own campuses and in the communities where they were living. So that created this this power um, that we like to call the power of consciousness that brought 
Taco Bell to to have to sit with us and not just them, but it's parent company that ultimately embraced also uh, what Taco Bell signed. Um, after that, in 2005, the campaign continued and then we extended the invitation to McDonald's and other brands. Um, and since then, we have reached agreements with McDonald's in 2007, um, Burger King in 2008, and in total, uh, 14 different corporations that have come on board, including some food providers like uh, Compass Group, Aramark, mm-hmm. um, Sodexo, and even Walmart. Um, so we have 14 corporations that have said we are going to stand behind what the workers of Imokali are asking for, which is the implementation of the Fair Food Program, which is, in essence, a collaboration between workers, uh, farmers, and corporations that are ready to do the right thing when it comes to human rights being implemented I- in the fields. What it means for workers is an increase in wages uh, for, uh, for now in the form of a bonus that gets distributed after <coughs> each corporation that signed with the Fair Food Program is paying a premium. Uh, that premium goes in the form of a bonus to every worker in participating farms. Um, and there is also the implementation of all the rights that are included on, on the Fair Food Program. One of the most important ones that I, that I could think of is the right to complain without retaliation. For the first time, workers are able to talk about the issues they find in their place of work without being uh, fired or without being uh, victims of violence for speaking up. Um, every complaint is protected. <coughs> and since the implementation of the program in 2011 on about 90% of the tomato industry of the state of Florida, we have been able to capture um, more than 1,200 complaints, uh, ranging from wage theft to uh, situations of discrimination, violence, sexual harassment, basically all the problems that, that we have uh, been fighting to eliminate for decades for the first time because of the program and because of the power of the corporations that have signed with it. Um, we have been able to then uh, start the transformation of the industry. This has led to the expansion of these protections to other states. And for the first time this past uh, summer, we went to six other states due to the agreements and uh, the cloud that Walmart has. Um, we were able to, in that agreement, establish the collaboration in expanding those protections to other, other places, other states. Um, so we went to Georgia, uh, Southern North Carolina, Maryland, Virginia, and New Jersey. And um, we are also working on expanding these protections to other crops, which is already happening. We're working right now with a farm that's producing strawberries that basically enter into the strawberry business on purpose so that they could work with us. Um, they were already working on the tomato side, mm. and they wanted to serve as an example for the rest of the very problematic uh, strawberry industry in Florida. And my, I have my question is, how has um, the rise in consumer demand for uh, organic products at all affected um, the farm workers' rights and, and what the corporations are demanding, if at all? Um, every agreement that we have um, basically doesn't, doesn't change how consumers um, get their final product. 
um, for example, with uh, agreements, especially with the fast food industry. Um, all the agreements that we have, we were asking at the time for a penny more per pound. Right now, every corporation is paying uh, about a penny and a half. Um, when you try to divide that onto like however many chalupas, just mm -hmm. thinking about like Taco Bell or, yeah, yeah. or hamburgers, um, you are gonna, you're not gonna use an entire pound um, of tomatoes to put in one single hamburger. Yeah. That would be a really juicy hamburger, but <laughs> not, not very good. <laughs> um, so, so, so that's what they, with the pound, they probably would make like 10, 12 chalupas, like mm -hmm. probably eight or some, something like that, uh, hamburgers. That means that they would not be able to even increase that penny to pass it on to the consumer um, on that way for the, the penny per pound or the penny and a half per pound that they pay for every pound they buy under the program. So they chose to, um, they all have chosen to basically absorb the cost because for them it's, it's too little. It's, it's significant um, when you are talking about all of them paying um, and it's significant for a worker that have seen um, his or her wages stagnant for more than 30 years. Uh, it's important, it's a change of life. But for a corporation paying that, um, it's it's not that much. So they have all absorbed the cost. And uh, that's what we, what we have seen. Um, I think that once corporations get on board, once they see all the changes that they are impacting and you get, you get to touch the human side within the corporation mentality because it's you know it's easy to disassociate yourself uh, even as consumers from a situation that you know is going on when you don't see it there's a saying in english i think out of sight i don't yeah out of sight out of mind yeah and i think that also out of heart yeah. um, <laughs> when you don't yeah. see even even when you know like oh conditions are are really bad for for farm workers um it's it's almost over understood that because it is farmer, it's all right. Somehow, mm -hmm. like, oh, it's laboring in the fields. Oh, yeah, well, that that's on the fields. It's almost as if farm workers were uh, second or third class uh, human beings, and that's that's part of the changes that need to happen. And when you, when we secure agreements with corporations, they get to sit at the same table with us, um, and they get to also be in conversations with the growers. Uh, whom also for the first time since the implementation of the program have been sitting with us in co ongoing conversations on how to implement and not just that, but how to even improve um, all the provisions included on the on the fair food program, which has led to this, you know, awakening, um, I would say, of that recognition of the humanity of each other, sitting at the same same table with the goal in mind. So what I'm saying is, once the workers are recognized as an important part of the industry, not as tools that can be discarded once um, you are not as useful, mm -hmm. once that happens, then there's no way that you are go going to be unrecognized after that. Or your humanity is going to become less important. We have a place on the table for the first time, and we plan to keep that. And this is a benefit also. We are we're not business people, but I think that over the course of all of these negotiations, we became um, became uh, 
part of the, the business. You know, we, we brought proposals that are beneficial for the growers, but also for the corporations that have signed. Um, as workers, we receive a increase in wages and a better treatment. Growers that are able to uplift, is that how you say it? Uplift the implementation of the program. Uh, those who are doing the best in implementing the program basically are securing business with all the corporations that have signed that will um, choose to buy from farms that are doing uh, things better and better. So that creates a dynamic of kind of like the race, a race to the top. Before the race was to get the lowest possible price, whoever could provide that mm -hmm. would be the chosen supplier. Today, um, the race is in reverse because it's about human rights. Um, whoever treats the workers better is going to be uh, in a better place um, for all the, the corporations that have signed. And the corporations get the benefit of um, being able to supply a product that can tell you a story. Um, consumers more and more are asking um, for that story, and it needs to be clear, and it needs to be transparent, and it's, it needs to be overall fair. Um, what we offer with the implementation of the program is uh, visibility for the consumer and for every corporation that signed, for the growers uh, also, a visibility into their own, um, on, on, on to the production and how things are happening. And that's a benefit for all at the end of the day because we don't have to sacrifice. The way in which business exists has always basically be blind to what's going on at the bottom. Um, the way in which we are uh, doing things with the Fair Food Program, it's a way in which we shed a light onto all the things that are going wrong. And for the first time, uh, the business is, is being used, uh, or the market is being used as a tool to be able to, to reverse that and to, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and the implementation of human rights um, and the fact that consumers are asking for it and that corporations are seeing it as beneficial. For example, I'll hold USA and Giant and Stupa Stop and Shop supermarkets mm -hmm. are recently putting up labels, Fair Food Program labels, and are marketing the human rights success that is the Fair Food Program and the fact that they sell tomatoes that are mm. Fair Food Program grown. That's uh, an initiative that's happening alongside these same corporations branding and, and amplifying the fact that they have organic on their shelves and that they have sustainably produced food on their shelves as well. Um, and it's one that really has to happen in conjunction with each other, these the human rights and the environmental impact, um, because it's both organic and conventional farms that are part of the fair food program because ultimately they draw labor from the same pool. And that's why it's really crucial to make sure that the human rights conversation is happening at the same time. Are you advocates of um, the implementation of some sort of uh, widespread labeling that would you know, denote whether something um, you know, was produced with fair food standards? Is that something that you're working towards? Um, well, I, I wouldn't call myself an advocate. Um, <laughs> I prefer to be called a, just a farm worker organizer. But yeah. um, and the reason is uh, we come, or I, I come from that reality. Um, in the coalition, we we organize with the community 
we don't organize that community. Yeah. We're part of the, the same. But um, in terms of the label, we, we have a label now. Um, and it took five years, basically, to be able to come out. Uh, the reason for that is because we need to be careful. Uh, there are many ways in which uh, corporations have used labels to try to hide um, whatever is wrong. It's the, the greenwashing going yeah. on all over the place. Um, in, in those instances, you see what's called the CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility, applied. And when you think about it, um, corporations are in total control. Of, of whatever that means now, even though it came as an idea on how to make corporations responsible and all of that, it has been co-opted, is that the word? Mm -hmm. um, and, and now it's being used by corporations to uh, basically promote something that they have total control of. Um, it's, it's good uh, in the sense of there are some cooperatives uh, producing coffee, chocolate, but you never know what what amount, or you never know for how long, or you never know how um, deep the impact that they are having is. What you have to wonder always is um, who, from the, the worker's side or, or the producer's side, uh, who is involved? Um, because for the most part, it's just corporations saying, this is what we are gonna do, period. And then they are gonna sell it in the US um, uh, on on like a really huge uh, margin of profit, yeah. and people will be happy to buy that. But uh, I, I don't know. It's it's just uh, something that doesn't include the workers. It's not gonna be created to protect the rights of the workers. It's gonna be created to increase the good image of a corporation. And when that's the issue, uh, human rights are not the goal publicity is um, and publicity is never going to, a, a PR campaign um, is never going to substitute um, a program that's desperately needed in many realities to deal with real abuses where workers have a voice where their rights are protected so what we are saying is it's time for a different approach and we have created the fair food program um, in the hopes that this serves as an example for many other realities and also consumers, but the corporations, we need to educate them. Um, the WSR model is uh, worker-driven social responsibility. That's how we like to call it. Yeah. And the Fair Food Program is an example of that. When you think about why this works, why this is effective, you are gonna see that it is because it's the same workers that are confronting all of these human rights violations are the same workers who created it. So we as workers know exactly which kinds of rights we need to be included on the booklet. Mm -hmm. That then we distribute. Um, from the coalition we go and conduct sessions uh, of worker-to-worker -worker education uh, in companies' time. Um, so they have to pay the workers for listening to their rights. and. Um, when we do that, then workers become um, kind of like the monitors of their own rights. They have then the option of calling the coalition or calling a third party that was created with the sole purpose of overseeing the implementation of these rights. 
which is uh, an organization called the Fair Food Standards Council based in Sarasota. Or they can give an opportunity to management in the company if they trust them. Um, so all of that is very um, detailed. Um, it's given with a detailed explanation mm-hmm. in, in the yeah. session of education. Workers um, then use the system to report the abusive conditions that they find. And that is when the whole mechanism of the perfect program kicks in. If there are problems that are identified that a grower refused to fix, um, then the Fairfield Standards Council is going to reach out to the buyers and explain to them that that farm, if if they don't fix the problem within a reasonable amount of time, um, it's going to be suspended. And if they don't fix um, the problem once the suspension enters into effect, then they are going to be cut of the program, which means they will not be able to sell their tomatoes. So there are violations of zero tolerance, um, and among them are sexual harassment cases where companies refuse to let access to the investigators Mm -hmm. to talk to the workforce about what happened. Uh, Also, slavery. If if there's a case of slavery happening in the fields, then that company is going to be automatically cut um, from the program and therefore unable to sell their product during a period of time during the uh, harvesting season. So all of those uh, provisions also include um, child labor uh, that will not be accepted under this program. There's zero tolerance for that. And every other right can become a zero tolerance if a company refuses to do their part in fixing any kind of report that comes from the fields. So when you have that, you have the workers reporting, identifying all the issues. And then you have, in the other side, corporations saying, we're ready to back this up uh, because we committed to do it. Then you are going to find a tomato industry, an agricultural industry, that will do its part in making sure the workers have a voice. Because as I was saying, the market, um, we, we often talk about it as a market consequence making a big difference, but it's also an incentive. So, so those in business, in the business of producing food, um, that understand this can see the benefit. This is very simple. Mm-hmm. If I treat the workers better, then I am going to have an opportunity to thrive. Um, and, and like if you refuse to understand that basic principle, then you are going to put at risk your entire operation. And that doesn't make sense from the business perspective. Mm-hmm. That has led to a change of mentality where some growers now are trying to even do better than what the program is requiring, going beyond trying to implement programs that are very, very like uh, focus on, for example, making sure that everyone understand how to eliminate, not just eliminate sexual harassment by um, creating the consequences against those who commit that, but how to change the mentality within the every layer of um, uh, workers in the fields. Um, workers that are harvesting, uh, people that are in places of supervision, 
like all the way up mm-hmm. um, to establish a different kind of mentality. And they're working on that. Um, so it's, it's a really beautiful thing to see. Uh, obviously, all the work is not done. There are corporations that are really stubborn, like Wendy's, um, Publix uh, also. And that's why we are extending an invitation to anyone who wants to get involved to do something about it. Um, what we share is not just so that people can be informed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we want to uh, we want people to take action because that's ultimately what makes any change possible. Um, and when this is refusing to sit at the table, instead of supporting all the changes that are happening in Florida, they decided to punish the growers precisely um, <clears throat> for joining, for being part of the Fair Food Program. We created a solution to all the issues that have always mm-hmm. um, happened in the fields. And when we created this solution, when this basically choose to go to buy somewhere else, to go to buy from Mexico, where we know uh, there has been a lot of reports um, that came out, for example, the LA Times series yeah. on slavery, sexual abuse, and many other inhumane conditions that were taking place. That's where they choose to go to buy. Um, and Bioparques, the Bioparques de Occidente. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just unacceptable. So we declare a boycott and we invite people to to support this, to yeah. join the boycott. Don't eat at Wendy's until Wendy's comes to the table and talk about why. That's yeah. that's an important thing. Yeah, not just not just, you know, being you know being aware but also being active. Mm-hmm. And that for my last question I, I wanna ask Patty, um, so what are what are specific things that um, students like the ones at Yale at other Ivy League, you know, universities that you know, what, what can they do to help shape their careers going forward, you know, bearing these things in mind, be it, you know, going into law or politics or business, you know, what uh, are the different avenues that a student could go down to, to really support um, your work? Like grassroots, top down, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think that with the CIW, I know that what the CIW is asking for right now of consumers to start off with is for folks to not consume at Wendy's. So the first the first action is to spread the word mm-hmm. about the boycott, spread the word about what the CIW is doing to transform the agricultural industry, take the pledge online and show Wendy's that you too are a part of this growing national movement um, to get this last fast food holdout to come to the table and commit to human rights for farm workers. Then right now we also have a month of action going on. It's called the Month of Outrage and it's particularly in response to this news that came out that Wendy's not only stopped buying from an industry that actually is implementing human rights, but went to a corporation, went to a a distributor of tomatoes and a producer of tomatoes that has had cases of slavery reported as late as 2013. So because of that ridiculousness, um, we are outraged as a network and we want to show Wendy's that we're we're not going to take it and we are going to take action. So there are actions happening all over the country um, that folks can look on the uh, Student Farmworker Alliance website, sfalliance.org, to see if there's one near you or put together your own action. And it can be as 
um, small but meaningful as printing out the letter that's on our website and delivering it to a manager mm-hmm. at, the, at a nearby Wendy's. Um, so taking action and becoming involved in the campaign is the biggest thing that you can do to put your to lend your voice to um, this movement and put it behind the the farm worker leadership of the coalition of Immokalee workers. And I think down the road um, that same philosophy of following the leadership of the folks who are on the ground and the folks who are actually experiencing abuses um, in this case, farm workers. Um, is really what we have to keep in mind whatever career we go into. Um, and if we really are in solidarity with workers, in solidarity with people on the front lines of any struggle, um, it's really just following the, the steps that are outlined by those communities. So in this case, getting involved yeah, with the campaign. Being an ally. Yeah, yeah. being an ally um, and using your voice to amplify the voices of, of those on the front lines. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank you both so much uh, for coming and speaking with us. If people want to look you up online, um, what are the respective websites that they should they should go to? Uh, yeah, if people want to know more about the Coalition of Immokalee Workers, um, you can log in on ciw-online.org. Uh, there you will find a ton of information. It's, it's very uh, a very well constructed website. It is. Uh, there's also a lot of a lot of videos if you want to see little bit more on the tour that we just did where we declared the national boycott of Wendy's um, uh, on the 3rd of March um, in New York. It's uh, y- You'll get a glimpse of what we mean when we say let's boycott. It's, it's fun. <laughs> it's powerful. Um, I'm sure people will be very inspired. Great. And then for students and youth that are interested in um, becoming a part of this or learning more, there's the Student Farmworker Alliance website, sfalliance.org, and we're also on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, I believe the Twitter handle is at sfalliance. And then for folks who want to be a part of the bigger movement, there's the Alliance for Fair Food, and that's allianceforfairfood.org, and we're also on Twitter and on Facebook. And if you sign up for updates on either of those websites, you'll get the, the latest on the campaign and what's going on out of Immokalee, whether it's a month of action, whether it's an upcoming tour or an upcoming march, fast, what have you. Um, there's multiple ways to plug in. Awesome. Well, I would encourage all of our listeners to to visit those websites, look at some of the really amazing videos, um, especially. Those are really great. Uh, so thank you again so much. Thank you. Bye, thank everyone. You. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at www.yale.edu slash sustainable food.